0: talk a lot about the
1: power of the heart, learning to tap into that intuition, because my belief is that every single thing that we have gone through in every aspect of our lives is for our benefit, is for our development, is for our learning and education in this life experience.
0: Hey friends, welcome to the U-Turn podcast. This week we have a new friend and I can already tell she's going to be a long friend, Mindy Kniss. And she is not only resilient and uh, has had a journey with money, but she's an expert on matters of the heart. And so we wanted to do an an episode on how to follow your heart, how to connect your heart, your purpose, your intuition She's a business coach, a heart intelligence expert, the founder and CEO of Lucra, and the creator of the Heart Path Retreat Series and Core Coaching Academy. Mindy, thank you so much for coming
1: on to my show. Ashley, I'm delighted to be here. So thank you for having me. Yeah, you
0: keep your energy up. I feel like last time we spoke, I was just having an off day. And you know what? This is a trend because I've had some really good days. I'm only talking to you on my off days, Mindy, which means like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what, Ash? I'm not going to take that personally though. So you,
1: you, you do whatever you want over there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, so, um, I know you've had an incredible, challenging, emotional journey. Like what has been going on in your world financially, emotionally in the past, um, three, four, five years that has influenced your work around matters of the heart? Oh my goodness! Well, as
1: you know, some of my backstory there's there's a lot to tell on this, and I'll start on the the money side of things. Uh, years ago, when I began my career, I was just coming out of corporate America, and uh, I was pretty much kind of a little hotshot in that in that world. So I was really excited about the job, and I was I was succeeding a lot, getting lots of promotions and things like that. And it wasn't really fulfilling to me. So I had decided to depart from that career and journey out on my own as an entrepreneur to become a life coach, spiritual coach, that kind of thing. And this was way back in 2007. Mm -hmm. So I left that corporation in 2008. And as many people know, in the US, 2008 was not maybe the best time to start a business. There was a huge housing crisis going on and financial markets were tumbling, very similar to current situations. And uh, very quickly, I basically lost everything that I had. To put it uh, shortly, I was foreclosed on a house that I owned in Michigan. I was evicted from my apartment that I was living in in Portland, Oregon, and ended up living out of my office I had my car and my office space still. And then the end of that story was I ended up filing for bankruptcy. So that didn't really start out exactly how I had intended. <laughs> and fast forward over the years, I, I learned a great deal about how to actually run a business, how to do sales and marketing. Those were things that were dirty words to me before. I didn't even want to do them. I didn't understand that that was an essential Lifeblood aspect of business, and uh, through that that course of learning about money, growing my business, I started a relationship with a man named Sean Stevenson. And over the years, we uh, were dating. We ended up getting married in 2012, and continued. He also was an entrepreneur, so we continued to grow our businesses independently, and eventually in 2018 we decided you know what there's a whole lot of duplication here we're essentially doing the same thing both of us were speakers and coaches so why not join forces and make this one business so that was kind of how lucra developed was this this combination or you know duo teamwork effort and then bringing it up to speed to today, just last year in twenty nineteen, Sean unexpectedly passed away from an accident. And of course, that has, you know had huge implications in everything, life in in general. So now i am I have found myself as yet again a a single owner of a business and figuring out just, what that looks like, how to continue on while I'm very much interested in keeping his work and his message alive. Also balancing that with saying, Hey, I'm the one is you know, I'm still here and, uh, continuing the work that we always wanted to do and achieve the goals that we wanted to achieve.
0: When I met him, he was such a light and I feel like somebody who studies the heart Like, what do you know to be true about what goes on with the heart, the intuition, the purpose, and all of these different pieces when you go through heartbreak like that? Yeah, well,
1: I'm actually glad you used that word because I personally don't believe in broken hearts. Mm -hmm. When we go to a gym and we work to strengthen our muscles, those muscles tear and they become sometimes painful and sore. But the whole intention there is to grow them stronger. And I think it's the exact same thing with the heart. I think that the heart is something that can be torn, but never broken. I also believe that the heart is quite literally the place where the spirit resides. And there's been some really cool scientific research on proving that. But uh, with that notion of you know the heart is i think our most resilient aspect so having done the the work that i've done in my own personal growth in my my business development and then going through an experience like that of of losing a spouse at we you know we were both 40 years old at that time so pretty young for that something like that to have happened it's uh, it's it's a wild journey but really i credit the The knowledge that I have of the heart as one of the big reasons that I was able to get through it, and you know, I don't, I don't want to be fake about this and say, oh, you know, it was so easy. Of course, it wasn't easy at all. It was the most traumatic, extreme experience that I've ever gone through in my life. I've never had grief like that, and it was, it was amazing. Um, it was a it was such a process to go through but knowing what i know and having the practices that i have and the having done the work that i can do it definitely allowed a i don't want to say easy because that would that would be putting it too uh, simply but it, grateful. yeah it allowed me to see the light at the end of the tunnel i think more clearly than if i hadn't had any of those resources in the past
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So you go through massive loss as far as the person you love and also with money. Like what are a couple perspectives that you think you have perhaps that is making this grace so much more present? Because I know that like fear of death, for example, is going along, you know, whenever this episode goes live, maybe it will go live after coronavirus hopefully is over, but I know right now people are having such a control issue with death and feeling like so much fear, like maybe their parents or their grandparents or their loved ones. Like what insight do you have about loss or heartache that you could offer people for a little more grace?
1: Sure. That's a great, great question. So first off I would say that my my belief system very much dominates that I 100% believe that when our time comes that's the perfect and correct time for us to go and I I think that Sean also felt that way. And so that hasn't changed. I don't feel like oh he left too soon. You know there are a lot of people because he had quite a following online people have said you know, he, he left us too soon or we still needed his light. And I'm like, you know what? He did what he came here to do. Mm. and He did a lot (laughs) in those 40 years. One of the quotes that I absolutely love from Deepak Chopra, he says, when I am gone, I will have done what I came here to do. And that is enough. And I truly Mm. feel that way with Sean. And I feel that way for myself. So having gone through that experience just last year, and then all of this coronavirus stuff going on. Yes, there is fear that is out there. Yes, there is panic that is out there. But really, that to me is so minimal. And that's not to, you know, shut down anyone else's experience. I'm just speaking from my own experience where I don't see death as a scary thing. If anything, I see it as I get to reunite with my favorite person. So that doesn't, uh, you know, that's not a fear factor for me I, in some ways, look forward to that. And uh, that's not in a, uh, I don't want to make that sound like I'm, oh, I'm just sitting around waiting for death. No, I'm super active in my business and I'm excited about everything that is possible and potential. And yet it doesn't have that fear element for me because I'm like, look, at that time, I will have done what I came here to do and I get to reunite with my buddy.
0: You know, it's so interesting to me when I think about the invisible you know, because we have what five senses, is it seven senses? I mean, no, five senses. And it's like, we as a collective seem to believe that the limits of our five senses are all that actually is. And if you can't see it, feel it, touch it, smell it, it's just not true. And to me, there's just, it's just so baffling. I think as humans that we see the world through those limits, like our limits must be the limits of what's going on. Like, what have you learned scientifically or about the heart you were saying like spiritually that has informed you on some of this?
1: Sure. Yeah. I'll share just one experiment with you that I find absolutely fascinating. The researchers at a place called the Institute of Heart Math, they do a lot of research on neurocardiology and they're based in California. They have done an experiment and they talk a lot about this. You can find videos online of this they hook people up. And so every body sensation is being monitored. So they're monitoring their heart, they're monitoring their brain, they're just looking at any different sense that we can we can test to see what's happening. And what they did was they had the experiment, uh, the experimentee sit in a chair, and they're looking at a screen on that image on that screen is flashing images. And three quarters of the images were completely normal things, like maybe a table or a house or a landscape, they were not at all designed to elicit any kind of emotional response. But the other quarter of the images were designed to elicit the emotional response. So that might be a snake that is ready to strike, or it might be an image of a bloody corpse on the ground, something to kind of make you go, you know, and almost sit back in your seat. So what they found is that as these images were flashing on the screen, and this was completely randomized, so neither the experimenter or the experimentee knew which image would come up next, totally computer-generated randomization, but what they found was prior to those emotion-eliciting images Before that happened, up to 4.75 seconds prior to that image showing up on the screen, the body was reacting. The body Mm -hmm. was having a physical response to an image that didn't even exist yet because it wasn't on the computer screen. Mm -hmm. And what they were able to do, and this is where it gets really fascinating to me, as if that part isn't fascinating enough. But what they were able to do is they were able to trace the, the source of those body signals and here's what they found. They found that the source was the heart. So the heart was the first point of reaction. After that was the body. So a lot of times when people say they have a gut feeling or they, they feel it somewhere in their body physically, that could be, based on this experiment, actually the second stage of the signal. So the heart picks it up first, then it transmits to the body. You experience that as some kind of sensory Maybe the hairs stand up on the back of your neck. You feel it in your gut. For me, it's a tingle in my jaw. So Mm. it could be anything. It depends on the person. And then that transmits up to the brain. So it goes heart, body, brain. And to me, this is very intriguing because if that is literally the source of information that is not available to those regular five senses that you were talking about, well, then we have access to all kinds of different information, a whole field of consciousness, if you will, that we can pull from. And the way to get into that knowledge is by becoming what's called coherent in your heart rate variability. Mm
0: -hmm. And what does that mean, coherent in your heart rate variability? Great question. (laughs) So- What coherence is, if you want
1: the science of it, it's essentially 0.1 hertz or cycles per second. And what it's measuring is the heart rate variability. And that's different than just taking your pulse because that's going to measure your heart rate. But with that variability aspect, what we're actually looking at is the time in between the beats. So not necessarily how many beats, but what is that variability rate in between the beats. And when you can achieve that coherent level, and really it's it's very, very simple. A lot of it has to do with just allowing the body to settle in, relax. People can think of it as some sort of a meditation, but the way that I like to teach it is that it can be done anytime. Even if you're in conversation, you know, I could be doing it now while I'm talking to you, Ashley. It can be done with your eyes open, closed. You don't have to be in this, you know, zend out meditation position at all. So practicing that, getting into coherence and allowing your body to settle into yourself, what that translates to is a whole lot of really good things beyond just tapping into your intuition. Physiologically, it sends out feel-good neurotransmitters throughout the body. It can help lower blood pressure. It has been shown uh, with scientific studies to decrease pain from things like fibromyalgia, things like that. It also can lower the stress hormone cortisol, which is huge right now, especially as we're in this kind of fear and panic based experience of the world. It's like when you have a higher level of cortisol, your stress hormones are up. That also decreases your immunity. So this is like a, a big problem. So if you can learn how to get into coherence, that can help relieve that cortisol level, which also contribute contributes to belly fat, by the way. So lots of good reasons <laughs> to be into coherence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a very, very simple practice. It's just about learning it and then practicing it, just doing it. So many people that come to my retreat or that I work with, they're always looking for that super fancy technique, you know, the silver bullet that's gonna solve all their problems. And I'm like, yeah. it's really quite simple. <laughs> it's actually so totally. simple. You're gonna just brush it aside because it seems too easy, but that's the truth.
0: We are taught to, you know, drink the green juice and have this and have that when really it's like, have you gotten enough sleep? Did you drink enough water today? Did you take a <laughs> <Very job>? simple, <laughs> Yeah. Totally <laughs> crazy. Okay. And You know, you talked about going into debt. And so clearly your mindset about trusting timing, trusting life served you in as much healing as you could do from losing your husband. Um, As far as like bankruptcy, debt, all of that, like how did you navigate the realization, like, cause, cause to me, when I went into debt, I didn't really realize it the first hundred thousand dollars or the second hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> it was almost like it didn't, my denial cost me 200 grand. You know what I mean? Like it just took me a while. How did you land with that? And what was your thought on what to do next?
1: I, I totally understand exactly what you're talking about because you and I have have similar stories, although we kind of chose different ways to, to handle it at the end. So one of the biggest things that I had to to reconcile myself with was to become a truth teller. You use the word denial, and that's exactly where I was as well. I for a long time, I just stopped opening opening my mail. So I'd be receiving statements and then warning letters and all kinds of terrible things in the mail from credit card companies, from my student loan company, from mortgage company. I mean, just sure.
0: such an I, energy leak. I so know that feeling. It's like <laughs> exactly like at freaking American Express just feels like she's outside my door kind of thing. And.
1: Totally. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't answering my phone because the people who were calling were debt collectors. I stopped opening mail and it was literally like I was not willing to face what I had created. Mm -hmm. I was in such a state of stupid optimism That my whole thought was like, I know that I can figure this out. I know that I'm a good coach. I know that I'm smart enough to figure this out and do something about it and shift this and make money. And what eventually happened, I mean, this was, we're talking years, so it wasn't even a short process of coming to terms with this. But over those years, the first thing I had to do was tell the truth to myself and then to others about where I was at, what was going on, what really was happening and get detailed, like look at the numbers and know exactly so what was in my bank account. It was awful. And i that was the beginning was telling the truth and then being willing to share it. Because I can't tell you, Ashley, how many people now that once they find out that I'm open about having gone through bankruptcy and all the silly financial decisions that I made over the course of my life. It allows them to feel less shame about their financial decisions. Yes. I've had so many people like once I share that and they're like, Oh, you know what? I've actually filed bankruptcy too. Or maybe they haven't filed bankruptcy, but you know what? I had this really serious financial issue also. I get it. And so not only does that drop the shame, but it allows for really powerful empathy and greater connection because I'm like, look, I'm just being real about where I was at. And I want to share these things with you now, whoever you may be, because I don't want you to have to go through all the crap that I went through. Like if you can learn from my mistakes, please, please do that.
0: So sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Career Clarity Lab the online course to help you find your career purpose in the workforce and upgrade your confidence. So if you're ready to unlock the best career path for you, and you'd like to try a free version of our clarity course, just head on over to u slash clarity. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash clarity. Now let's get back. It's to so interesting episode. to ignore the truth because it, it's like a toothache. Like it, it's just going to keep getting louder. And so it's like, like, okay, you, you want to yeah. anywhere? <laughs> yeah. Like, you want to rip the bandaid this year and cry, or you want to rip the bandaid next year and cry? Like, might as well cry this year and get on with it next year. Or so you know, I, I, understand that. And I also see the healing and facing something like actually looking at the numbers. And I think a lot of people, when they face something that they've been avoiding our body and our brains, and I'm sure you would know more than this than I, they have different coping mechanisms to not engage. Like for me, when I would look at my money, I would get really tired, like so conveniently tired. Like my eyes just couldn't stay open. And it was like, it was just a a response. I think that my body was having to taking responsibility, you know, and like a mechanism that it was doing to prevent me from having to really sit in something. So what do you have for, as far as your life purpose goes and like how you use this for your growth, how did you use this financial loss and experience to transform how you relate to money or how you relate to your business. Cause for me, it's been a journey. Like sometimes I make huge progress and then I think to myself, well now I deserve to go on a shopping spree because you know, I finally have cleared this and I'm so sick mm-hmm. of it kind of a thing. And it's like, no, that old habit isn't really going to work either. So how do you navigate kind of creating a new self after something like that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I feel pretty blessed, especially as a woman. For some reason, I didn't get that shopping bug where like that is the big problem solvers. So I don't actually like shopping.
0: Well. <laughs> so,
1: I mean, that, that helps a lot truly in the, in the spending aspect. But really what I did uh, in terms of the finances was just get super disciplined about what happens When money comes in. And it's very interesting because this also took on a bit of a metaphysical aspect as well. When, and this is just physics, actually, when you create a structure for something to flow into, it's able to flow in and be contained as opposed to just pouring water on the floor, you know, it's going to go everywhere and you're not going to be able to utilize it, but creating structures. So what I did is, and this is true to this day, every time even a dollar comes in to my bank account through my business or really through anything. If I sold something or any other way that money is coming in, it all goes through the same process and it's just a percentage game. So there's no emotion to it. There's no uh, feelings to it. It's simply math. So Mm -hmm. I take a percentage and I put it into long-term savings. I take a percentage and I put it into my business expense account I take a percent. I put it into my life expense account. I save some for education. I save some for donations and charitable things that I love to give back to. So it's it's truly just a math equation then. And that has allowed me to release so much of the emotional weight that I used to feel around money and having those solid structures in place the money flows so much more easily into that. Like more money comes in now than years ago. And granted, of course, I've built up the business and all of that. Yes, that has happened. But I really think that a lot of it has to do with just having those absolute structures. And in terms of purpose, one of my absolute favorite things to do is lead a retreat in Sedona, Arizona. I do this every single fall. And I talk a lot about the power of the heart learning to tap into that intuition, because my belief is that every single thing that we have gone through in every aspect of our lives is for our benefit, is for our development, is for our learning and education in this life experience. So even taking all the crappy parts from my story, like the bankruptcy, like the living out of your office, and some days not being able to eat anything other than the 99 cent value menu item from the fast food place across the street. I mean, this was how intense this was for a while, but I take all that stuff even back to my, my corporate career and I put it all together. I say, okay, this is developing me into who I am and why I am here. So what my main goal is right now is to help other people get clear about why they're here. And then the angle that I take with it is, okay, let's be entrepreneurs. Let's start businesses. Let's have you create the sovereignty of your own life so you get to control your destiny. You're not concerned about working for somebody else or working for a corporation that you could get laid off from. It's let's create your own destiny. And having made all the mistakes in the book... (laughs) I have a pretty Mm -hmm. good sense of what not to do and thereby what, what to do. So most of my clients now are people who are either have started a business and they're looking to grow that business or they want to start a business and they're like, I don't even know where to begin. What do I do? How do I get started? Because that's really, that was a tripping point for me Mm -hmm. in the beginning. So if I can make their journey a little bit easier, like I said, I am happy to do so.
0: I love this. And you know, I um, I hear your resilience, and you know, considering that I've been in a victim mood the past couple of times we've spoken, this is quite empowering <laughs> But I guess what I'm curious about is, like, when you go through something like what we both have gone through with debt and and di- financial and a life denial in general, it changes you, you know. And as someone who studied the heart, it's probably influenced your purpose in the world in such a different way, and also your connection to your intuition, which We both must have had some level of block there to not see or accept the debt, or maybe not. I don't know. Um, How has this influenced your perspective on life purpose? And what can we share with everybody for them to get more connected to theirs? I think that there's always choice.
1: So, no matter what you are going through or what you have gone through, you have a choice about what you're going to do with that and how you're going to react to that. Mm -hmm. I know lots and lots of people who have lost a spouse and they may have even lost a spouse years ago. So a a much longer duration from my experience, but they are still, I would say swimming through the grief of it Mm -hmm. still. And one side of me, I get that I can understand because when you have, you know, you're losing the person that you are closest to. You're, you're probably, I mean, hopefully if it's your marriage partner, your best friend, your confidant, your buddy, your pal, you know, your, your intimate partner, all of these things. And so I get that aspect of like, life will never be the same again. Mm-hmm. And for me, I know that I have the choice. I know that I have the choice to sit in that grief and sulk and not do anything with the rest of my life. Or I have the choice to continue on the journey that I was already on, even before meeting Sean, and live out my purpose, however many days I might have left. Now, I don't know if that will end tomorrow or if that will end in 40 years or whenever, but it's always a choice. So, reminding myself of that has been very powerful, and reminding others. Of that, I don't care what your situation is, and it's amazing, you know. Ash, you mentioned the the victim mentality. It's it's <laughs> fascinating to me how many people will come up with like huge, massive excuses. Yeah, but Mindy, yeah. but Mindy, but Mindy, and I'm like, look, okay, I've like had the worst situations. <laughs> Bankruptcy is about as bad as it can get financially. Mm-hmm. Uh, losing a spouse is about as bad as it can get in the relationship category. Like these are big. Huge, potentially traumatic things, but I'm not looking at them. I'm not choosing to see them as like trauma. Mm -hmm. I'm choosing to see them as, yeah, that was for my development. That was for my growth. That was for my life experience. That's why I came here. That's why I showed up in this life. And I want to be able to then transform, alchemize that into like possibility, into potential, into growth, and then help other people do the same thing.
0: So beautiful. And you know, it's interesting because um, a lot of people will tend to come up with excuses. I think last time we spoke, I think I was like, I don't want a podcast today. We're not going to do it. And I think there's a level of courage that it kind of takes to just own where you're at versus like lie or say some sort of excuse, you know?
1: (laughs) Um, Yes. And I love that you just used the word courage, because if you look back at the word and you, actually you speak French. So, you know, the word courage is from the word cur in French. That means heart. Mm -hmm. And if we trace that back even further to the Latin, the Latin word is core C O R. Mm -hmm. So that whole idea of courage is based in the heart. I totally see that that is how this operates because when we get stuck or when we have that victim mentality, or when we have the excuses, all that crap is just in the head. That's where the fear and the insecurity and the doubt and the frustration, that's where all of that resides. That's not in the heart. We go into the heart. We pull out the courage. We pull out love. We pull out peace and empathy and compassion and just overall well-being. That. So it's really just, it comes back to choice. Like, where are you going to focus yourself?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people are afraid to speak what they want because they're afraid of what other people will think of them or they're just not giving themselves the space to be where they are, which is something that I worked on quite a bit like three or four years ago. And ever since I've been like really comfortable with no, like, no, you know, no, I'm not going to do it. Nah, nah. And I think, um, I'm curious, like what advice do you have for people when it comes to connecting to their heart, connecting to what's true for them so that they stop getting stuck doing things that really aren't what they want to be doing.
1: Yeah. That's an awesome question. And I would even back that up just a little bit because some people, when I ask them, okay, what is it that you want? They don't know. They don't know exactly. And it's like, okay, well, if you did know, and then they start talking to me about what someone else wants for them. I'm like, no, no, (laughs) I'm talking about you. Like, what do you want? And they truly don't know. Or, and I've been told this before. People have said, Mindy, I've never been asked that. And my, my thing to them is, okay, if you've never been asked that, now is the time to ask yourself that. What is it that I want? And the easiest way to go about figuring that out or finding that out is what sparks joy? You know, Marie Kondo talked about sparking joy with all the crap in our houses and like figuring out what we want to keep and what we don't want to keep. We'll do that with your whole life. Yeah. Figure out what brings joy, and even if it's just a little bit. Pick two things. Okay, does this one feel a little bit better or does this one feel a little bit better? And then take a, even a tiny step toward that. And learning I actually I love what you said about just saying no because boundaries are such a huge thing for me. I'm I'm a big big introvert mm-hmm. and oftentimes Especially over the last number of years that Sean and I were married, over the last decade, there were a lot of different events and and social things that I would be asked to attend, and a lot of times I would be like, "You know what? That sounds lovely, but I am not going to do that." Yeah, and that's because I am willing to look bad in other people's eyes because really, I don't I don't care what they right. think. What I need to focus on is how am I feeling. If I know that I am going to go to a situation that's going to be all chaos and a million people from like six in the morning till midnight the next night, I'm like, no, that sounds awful to me. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I know that I'm going to feel terrible. I'm not going to put myself in that situation. And I am okay with other people thinking whatever they're going to think about me, because you know what? Their thoughts are not my responsibility.
0: Beautiful. And I know a lot of people, like we started talking about life purpose and you talked a little bit about how people kind of like swim in old grief and the connection I was drawing when you were talking about that is like when you have old unresolved issues inside of you that you haven't healed maybe as a block or something like that from kind of your next level, like what information can we give people listening that want to get to their next level and their purpose and they don't really know what they want? you know, like I think a lot about my dad who his first wife, um, they divorced because he married the wrong person, even though she was a beautiful woman. And then right after they divorced, she got, uh, terminally ill and he felt so much guilt and he kept going back to help her. And, uh, and then my sister from his marriage, my big sister, she passed away a couple of years ago. And it was interesting because when my big sister passed away, my dad, it was almost like we opened Pandora's weird box of all sorts of feelings. We didn't know he hadn't, I mean, I kind of knew he hadn't processed it, but what are some signs that people are blocking themselves from their purpose and how can we get them to move on upward?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, staying stuck and stuck can be a variety of different things. And this is going to be different for probably everybody. Yeah. So, ways that you can look at for yourself because really we can't control other people. So, yes, we can want to help coach them or be there for them in that processing, but really it's it's their work to do. So, the only people that we can really focus on is us. So, knowing that, if we look at, okay, one, let's figure out what I do want. And if you don't know, grab a journal and write out with your dominant hand what I want or what do I want. Ask yourself the question and then switch the pen to your non-dominant hand and just start writing. And people say, oh, Mindy, but it's so hard. I can't even read my handwriting. I don't care. What the point of this exercise is, is to get you out of your norms, like shift some things in your brain so that maybe there are some new neurons that are going to fire together, maybe it will open up a different level of creativity or insight for you. So literally that simple, ask yourself, what do I want? And then start writing with your other hand and just see what shows up. And then look at big goals, big dreams. Ask yourself, am I thinking big enough? I've had so many wonderful, fantastic coaches and just people in my life that have really called me on me not thinking big enough, not dreaming large enough and saying, like, is that it? What else? You know, what What else is out there for you? What do you want? And then looking at, we can almost, once we have that, that end goal, we can reverse engineer to say, okay, where am I at now? And what are the steps that I need to take to get there? So being stuck, and again, this is going to be different for different people, because some people might feel like being stuck is living in the same city for their whole life. But other people might absolutely love that and that does spark joy for them. So you can't look at what anyone else is doing. You have to know what's true for you. For me, I've lived all over the world and I love that. So that's like, for me, I would feel stuck if I had been, I don't know, in the same city for the last 40 years. (laughs) But other people, that's not the way they think. So there is no prescriptive way of saying, this is the right way. It's always going to be the right way for you.
0: Uh, And, you know, I think a lot of people, especially like my closest friend, Nicole, she comes from a collective culture. She's Persian. And there's a lot of different things that happened in her upbringing, even in her parents are incredible, but just as a culture that kind of kept her in the collective, it was, there's a lot of messaging around, like, it doesn't matter what you want. You have to focus on what every, what's best for everybody. And as a result, I think a lot of people uh, grow up not having ever asked themselves, like, what do I want? And so, you know, that exercise you mentioned, that sounds really awesome. What thoughts do you have about intuition? Because a lot of people sometimes will confuse intuition from fear, like, oh, my intuition is I shouldn't do that, when really it's like, no, you're just afraid. Um, What suggestions do you have around that?
1: Yeah, one of the things that Sean used to say, and I absolutely agree with him it was it's one of my favorite things that he ever said he said intuition doesn't show up with all the facts like fear does mm. and he made the point of like when when it's fear we have all the reasons all those fat you know quote I'm doing air quotes right now the facts of the matter is this you know fact you don't have enough money fact you're living out of your office fact your house is going to be foreclosed But intuition doesn't have all of those facts. Mm. And what my intuition, and this is, I mean, (laughs) sounds crazy, but I really, really credit this is I believe that my intuition is what helped me stay the course. Mm. If I didn't have that, I would just have all those facts and that fear would have showed up and I would have said, I need to get my butt back to corporate America and start making some money again. Yeah, And I would have given up on my dream. I would have given up on my purpose. I would have given up on all the people that I now have the opportunity to help and serve. Like, that sucks. So it was the intuition that didn't have all those facts, that didn't have all the information about how it was going to work or what was going to happen, that kept driving me, which is why I ended up living in my office, sleeping on this little crappy futon, but I kept going and then over, I mean, this is years, so it's not like it was an instant turnaround overnight success thing, but over the last decade, I was able to develop that into a level of success that honestly, I didn't even think was possible before.
0: Amazing. Amazing. And for somebody who's feeling really disconnected and low right now, if you could pick one piece of advice for them. What would it be?
1: Hmm. I would say just give yourself a breath Mm
0: -hmm. and that
1: sounds so simple and so easy but truly if you can just and some people are like Mindy I cannot even handle that because I've got children screaming at me and I've got 40,000 things to do and I get it all of those things will still be there Mm -hmm. but allow yourself just a moment to take a breath maybe even shut your door for a minute (laughs) know, get some space and time, create those boundaries, use the other people in your life to help set those boundaries and maintain those boundaries just to give yourself some space. Because I also know that it's easier to get into heart coherence without distraction, mm-hmm. without chaos, without all of this thing. You know, what I talk about at my retreat, I, I hook people up to the heart monitors and they, oh, they're just nice and meditative and they're all in coherence and then I start talking shit to them. (laughs) So I just, I do it on purpose to see what happens to their coherence level. And so when we can just allow ourselves just even a minute of peace, that then can transform everything. And then tomorrow, allow yourself another one, or maybe even two, and just work your way up slowly. I guarantee that can help.
0: Oh, I love this. I love this. Uh, Thank you so much. And Wink, where can everybody find you, learn from you? I know you have an online summit and all of these great goods. Like, What can everybody do next to learn from you?
1: yeah absolutely i'm so excited ashley that you are going to be a featured speaker
0: on that summit
1: yeah it's going to be awesome but everything is online at my website lucra.com it's l-u-c-r-a.com and there's links to all the social media i mean everything is there so that would be the base camp for everything i've got going on
0: woohoo thanks again for being here
1: thanks so much for having me it was a pleasure
0: Hey guys, it's Ash here and I'm just reflecting on the episode with Mindy Kniss and uh, I knew her husband, Sean Stevenson, and maybe you've seen his TED talk. He's incredible about confidence and you know, I remember the day that he died. A lot of friends called me in tears and in shock and it's just been so interesting to see what times we're living in in 2020 with coronavirus and all of these different Uh, elements that are kind of disrupting our feelings of safety and security in the world. And it's been bringing up for me a lot around the question of like, what is happiness and how do we have it? And I was really moved that Mindy seemed to have such a sense of personal happiness and like fulfillment and peace, despite the fact that like her beloved husband had passed away so recently. And, you know, it was really poignant as well that she had mentioned that You know, a lot of people who feel stuck, usually they haven't processed something and they kind of live in it, you know, and I I totally understand that. And so what I wanted to share with you was just some reflection for me of what happiness means and ask you some questions about it for you. So, you know, before I made a lot of money, like, you know, we had kind of talked about, I really thought that I would get a lot of happiness from having a ton of money that could buy me anything I wanted. And when I made all that money and I was really high stress, high anxiety, and just, It felt so overwhelming, like lots of customers, lots of employees, like it was just a lot. And even though I'm really grateful that it happened and I'm grateful that I was able to create something like that, um, it was really profound for me to have a dream, execute on it, create something pretty massive, and then realize like this doesn't make me feel happy. And so just the other day I was sitting with my uh, partner, William, who I just moved in with him and it's been amazing. And we were in the kitchen on the floor because we just got this new little German shepherd puppy, and we named him jupiter and he 's so cute and uh, I think he just heard me say his name as i 'm recording this he 's looking at me he 's like twelve pounds, and his little ears are flopping up and anyway we 've been working really hard to train him and I had this moment the other night where I was uh, in the kitchen training him with William. And William sat on the other side of the kitchen and I sat on the other side of the kitchen and each of us took turns telling him to sit, stay and come. So it it worked out in a way where he kept having to run between us to keep coming to each of us. And we kind of just worked him out and tired him out. And there was this moment where Jupiter, I told him to come and he came running at me and he's so like like wobbly because he's so little like he trips on his own little feet and like he falls over and he's just so cute and he was running over to me in like this pure state of joy as a dog and I could just feel his happiness like radiating out of his little furry body and I was looking at my partner who was just getting such a rise out of like how cute he was running like this little bunny towards me and running back at him and I just made dinner and the house smelled like really good food and I just kind of thought to myself, like, this is happiness, like, having time with my partner that I absolutely love, raising this little puppy to be this great dog, um, having learned how to cook and having cooked a meal that was healthy and nourishing and beautiful, and just being there and being present. And, you know, a lot of the time, I think we think we have bad memory, or we wonder why we can't remember things. And often, it's not that we have bad memory, it's that we weren't being present in the first place we weren't registering where we presently were in any given moment to be able to remember it and that was a huge realization for me that i don't have bad memory i'm just not that present and i was so present in that moment and so i'm curious for you like when you look back in your life like what are a few moments that you were just so present that you remember like you remember that moment like it's right now to the point where it almost kind of like categorized in a file of your brain. Like you could just pull it out and bring yourself back. So oddly, I think the last time I was that present, I was in France, um, studying abroad, taking a shower and it was just freezing cold outside. And I was like, so grateful for the warm water. And I just remember like staring up at the shower head being like, Oh, I needed this and feeling really grateful and present. So it's crazy to me because that was like more than 10 years ago. So the fact that I can ask myself, when was I last that present? And it's like a decade ago. Um, It's really profound. And so um, where do you want to get more present? And where are you noticing real happiness? Because for me, there's just nothing like a friendship that really elevates me or like raising this little pup or finding the love of my life or learning how to cook. Like I'm just realizing that simplicity is just so underrated and all of us tend to be buying into this illusion that happiness is somewhere else but i have find i'm finding time and time again no matter what i achieve or don't achieve that my happiness is in the simplicities of the daily life that i live every single day the little dailies um, and the little victories and I hope for you that you're able to find those little simple things that bring you joy and realize how much happiness there are in them. And um, anyway, I'm rambling. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and I can't wait to catch you next week.